listening to Old Man Metal's Musings, the official podcast of Old Man Metal. Old Man Metal's Musings is a proud part of the Screaming Demon Network. And now, without further ado... Hey, this is Old Man Metal. Hope everyone's doing well, and welcome to the fifth episode of Old Man Metal's Musings, the official podcast of Old Man Metal. want to thank you for joining me today, and I want to thank you if you join me for the fourth episode. I took the Packy One Chip Challenge on an empty stomach, which turned out to be a bit of a mistake, um, but I made it through, and I learned something. Don't ever do one of those hot eating challenges on an empty stomach. Uh, I really enjoyed making that episode other than the gastrointestinal agony, and I got a lot of really good feedback on it, so check it out if you haven't seen it. And as always, I want to thank AJ Nemesis for providing the theme music. That's a song called Through the Electric Mist, and AJ just dropped a new album on YouTube, so go check that out if you haven't already, and I'm going to put a link to his YouTube channel in the show notes, so definitely go check that out. And um, I'm going to go ahead and hit the show beer to start with. Obligatory one sip of coffee. And the show beer today is an IPA. It's a Wilmington beer. And it's very well known in Wilmington. It is called Tropical Lightning. And it is brewed by Wilmington Brewing Company in Wilmington, obviously. And this is one that you will find... It's the same on the front and the back. Look at that. This is one that you'll find um, to be one of the easier to find uh, really good craft IPAs in Wilmington. This is a really popular beer. You see it in a lot of restaurants. Wilmington Brewing Company makes this very often, so it's usually available. Um, and it's a West Coast-style IPA with tropical notes. It's um, like the West Coast style. It, uh, it finishes kind of dry. Um, it's not hazy. It's fairly clear. It's got a good bit of uh, residual bitterness, perceived bitterness to it. And um, like I said, it's sort of a tropical flavored, a tropical fruit nut. So that's why it's called Tropical Lightning. And it's a really, really good IPA. Mm. And it's one that I drink a fair amount of. A lot of the restaurants that I, I don't eat out a whole lot, but the restaurants that I like to eat at, most of them have this on tap. So a lot of times if I'm eating out, Tropical Lightning is what I'm going to have. So that's our show beer today. Um, thank you to Wilmington Brewing Company for brewing it. Thank you to Hay Beer for having it available. Not that I couldn't go down the road to Wilmington Brewing Company and get it, but I like to support Mike and Christy and Charles and uh, take care of them because they're great people. And uh, cheers to y'all for being here. Oh my God, that's so good. So I just noticed that my first video got copyright claimed for all five of the songs that I featured on it. And I never got a notice and it was a claim for all five and all five of them were on different labels. So I'm pretty sure it was an automated claim by YouTube. And I don't think any of the copyright holders are the ones that claimed it. And that's not a big deal um, like a copyright strike would be. It means that I can't monetize the video usually. And it means that the copyright holders whose music I used can monetize the video and take the ad revenue from it. And the way I look at it, if any of the bands that I feature can make money off of an episode of my podcast where I'm talking about how much I like their music, that's great. 
You know, I'm not featuring big bands that have already made bank. I'm talking about people who are working day jobs and making great metal and could probably use the money. So maybe I've just found another way to support them if I actually generate any ad revenue off of these videos. Um, so I'm not mad. Uh, what it does mean is that I can't just do album review videos with samples if I want to make any money off of monetization. And it also means that I won't be using samples from any bands that are on big labels because I don't want a copyright strike from someone being big-headed and unreasonable. I'm not really worried about that with the smaller labels and a lot of the bands that I'm featuring, but some of the bigger labels, they you know how they are. So, um, So... Honestly, I think that what I'm doing and what I did the first episode is the epitome of fair use. And so if I did get a copyright strike, I would contest it. But an underground metal label getting a piece of my pie, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm not going to worry about it. More power to them. So today I'm going to double down and I'm going to do more of the same with better videos because the additional processing power from upgrading the laptop let me produce the videos in OBS Studio excuse me, OBS Studio, rather, in one take, as opposed to having to do multiple takes, and that meant that I could do two simultaneous window captures, so I didn't have to use that ridiculously cheesy title bar that I used in the first episode that I said I was going to get rid of. Well, I did. Uh, the new laptop also lets me uh, produce it at 1080, and the first episode was at 720, so there's that too. So the videos will be better, they'll look better, they'll be smoother, it'll be a better looking video, and it'll be the same type thing, just looking at songs that I like, and looking at songs that I like. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at three recent releases that caught my interest, and we're going to check out three songs from each of them, and that's going to give you a pretty good idea of what they're about, um, just as far as I can do, just looking at little bits here and there. And um, the first up that we're going to look at is At the Walls from Enforced. And this is a debut release from Enforce. They're from Richmond, Virginia. And it is a 26 and a half minute long ass kicking blend of Blitzkrieg, Thrash, and Crossover with the occasional Bay Area bit. The riffs are invariably lethal and they are effectively assembled into short verse and chorus rockets propelled by traditional metal and thrash drumming and some hardcore D beats. The songs are chock full of uber thugs, sick mosh parts, and delicious musical exclamatories like pinch harmonics, dive bombs, reverse dive bombs, and other sorts of sweet, sweet tremolo abuse. The vocals are 100% crossover shouts, and the production is consistent with the best of classic crossover. There's a sense of aural distance, big, big cymbals, and a nice, dry, crunchy guitar tone. For the style, you really can't ask for much better than this. It's an outstanding debut, and it will wreck your neck, so kudos to uh, Enforced. And the first track we're going to check out is the album opener. Mm. And it's an aptly titled song called Reckoning Force. And we're going to take a look at the intro to the song, which is also, because it's the first song, the intro to the album. So we're going to take a look at that.
way a band opens an album is often a pretty good indication of what you're in for, but enforced go for a deceptively unhurried intro that takes up almost a quarter of the song. But you can also look at it as the calm before the storm, and it is very honest in terms of its composition, its relentless thrash riffing and sick tremolo abuse, both of which play major roles on the album. Up next is the third track, Born Lost, and we're going to check out the first verse and the first chorus from that one to get an idea what the meat of the song is about. This verse-chorus pair is a great example of a thrash staple, pairing a riff change with a modest tempo change for a bit of added impact. It's not as dramatic as that turning point, the song where the, where the tempo really shifts, where you have a big tempo change, but it feels more meaningful than just a riff change would. And in this case, you've got a bit of a feel change too, from the more nuanced verse riff to a blitzkrieg thrash chug of a chorus. And between the subtle tempo shift and the feel change, when the chorus comes in, it feels like things just got more dangerous. You can really feel it. The last track we're going to look at from At The Walls is the sixth track, and it's a song called Brahmin. And this time we're going to check out the mosh part and see how Enforced fill the pit. With the mosh part at the end of the song, followed by a long hanging power chord outro, this song is just made to be played live and segued into a song with a blazing fast intro. And it's a great counterpoint ending to a mostly up-tempo song that sees an intro and three verses alternate between gallopy and chuggy. At the Walls is a great album, and this is just a taste that doesn't even come close to doing the album justice. It's chock full of all the things that make thrash and crossover great, and they're all done properly and authentically. This is not a bunch of try-hard retro bullshit. At the Walls is the real deal. Next, we're going to check out. Next, we're going to check out Gravelands from Possessor. And that's their fourth LP, and it's six tracks of really great, really driven feeling stoner sludge from London. From the opening bass chug, there is no let up until the final track, which is an eight minute plus hallucinatory trek through sandblasted wastelands that caps a run of five mid length, mid and upper tempo rockers. While strongly rooted in the jamish grunge in the desert stoner rock genre, a la Caius, Possessor seamlessly incorporate numerous influences from a healthy dose of sludge to hardcore riffs and D-beats to expertly wielded grooves and traditional metal leads. The result shows flashes of a lot of different bands from Helmet to Motorhead to Corrosion of Conformity, and that's one of the things that makes this a really interesting album. 
All told, Possessor are a well-oiled guitar and bass machine propelled by solid, straightforward, hell-bent traditional metal and rock drumming with the occasional D-beat nod to the hardcore side of the tracks. And the production is consonant with the Sludge Stoner Foundation. It's big, gritty, sun-bleached, and completely fuzzed out. The first song that we're going to look at is the second track, Flight of the Mutilator, and we're going to check out the first 45 seconds, which is the intro, the first verse, and a bit of the chorus, so we'll see a lead-in and then we'll see where the song goes. This clip really shows how disparate some of Possessor's influences are, and how clearly they come through. Even though a lot of the album is reminiscent of stoner rock and sludge metal, the intro, pre-verse, and verse of Flight of the Mutilator are pure proto-speed metal motorhead worship. And the chorus is a huge field change, and part of what lets them get that dramatic field change is starting with a hard-charging verse. Next, we're going to check out my favorite song from the album, and that's the third track, and it's called Backwoods. We're going to start about 30 seconds in, and we're going to catch the last part of the intro, the pre-verse, and then the first verse. This segment really shows the heavy stoner rock influence on Possessor. The intro, which we catch the end of, is about 40 seconds long, so it's a more indulgent intro, and that's not uncommon for stoner rock. The intro riffing has a great corrosion of conformity meets Caius vibe, stoner rock with a bit of southern metal swagger thrown in there. Then we have a nice hanging distorted chord that leads us into the pre-verse, which is itself just a riff change. The drums keep playing the same rock patterns at the same tempo, so all of that feel change, that feeling of acceleration like the song's taking off, all of it is from the riff change. And the consistency that the drumline creates is a subtle part of the overall feel. There's an underlying subconscious sense of stability because the drums stay the same. The foundation that we're standing on doesn't change. So in one sense we're moving and we're progressing, but in another sense ultimately we're not really going anywhere because what's under our feet isn't changing. Sort of like being on an escalator. The last song we're going to look at from Gravelands is the next to the last song, track 5, and it's a nice little anthem called Breathe Fire. We're going to look at the second verse and then the second chorus and then a really nice two-part interlude that leads back into the third verse.
This is another example of how Possessor will let the guitar drive the progression of the song while the drums keep us rooted in familiar territory. The verse has a decidedly crunchy, chuggy feel. It's a tad bit aggressive and thrashy, and yet restrained, and that matches the staccato phrasing of the vocals. Then the chorus is a big feel shift. The smoothness of the alternate-picked riff and the flowing phrasing of the vocals creates a sense of freedom of motion, which is a release compared to the staccato, restrained, chuggy feel of the verse. Then the interlude comes in, and it's a two-part return to the verse feel in order to prepare us for the third verse. The first half of the interlude shifts from the soaring chords of the chorus to a frantic-feeling circular lead riff that sort of keeps us bouncing in place. We're kind of at a dead stop here. We came flying out of the chorus, and then we hit a big patch of glue. Then the second half of the interlude starts us moving again with a forward-leaning chord progression, but with some of the crunchy, chuggy, restrained feel of the verse riff, too. And there's another bouncy little lead lick that reins us back in periodically. So easing us from the chorus to the next verse. So that's a look at Possessor's latest album, and for me, it's a perfect change of pace album. I don't listen to a lot of sludge or stoner rock, but I do enjoy both genres, and they're both something that I'll dip into occasionally as a palate cleanser, or when I just want to listen to something different for a while, and this is a great album for that purpose. The songs are varied, it's mostly up-tempo, and it's an engaging album, everything is well done, great riffs, great use of feel changes, there's just nothing not to like. The last album we're going to look at today is Absolute Power from Wraith. Wraith play a well-executed blackened blend of speed metal, thrash, and hardcore punk that lands somewhere in between Toxic Holocaust and Midnight, and it kicks as much ass as one might expect from that comparison. This album is short, blistering verse-chorus songs built from mostly up-tempo speed metal riffs and thrashier chugs, with Joel Grind-style slower passages and some sick, sick mosh breaks for contrast. There's also some really sweet, bluesy, rockish lead work, like what you might get from Midnight. The drums are mostly traditional metal or rock patterns, or hardcore, especially D-beats, and the production is spot-on mid-era Toxic Holocaust, with the Midnight tone on the leads. They have that distinctive, cleanish, bluesy snarl that Midnight gets. The first song we're going to listen to is the first track, Devil's Hour, and we're going to do what we did for the first Enforced song. We're going to look at the first 45 seconds of the track and see how Wraith open up the album. show is pretty much what to expect in that first 45 seconds. Aggressive, up-tempo, blackened speed metal and thrash riffing, pushed by a rhythm section with rock and hardcore sensibilities, and some really sweet lead work. So now we're going to check out the sixth song, which is my favorite. It's a vicious little number called At the Stake, which is a quintessential black thrash song title, and Wraith really deliver on it. And again, we're going to look at the verse-chorus cycle. Make it today. 
And that's just balls out black and speed metal. The riff changes when the chorus comes in, but there's absolutely no let up in intensity. And the whole thing is pushed relentlessly by that same mid-tempo hardcore D-beat. Last but not least, we're going to check out the second longest track on the album at 3 minutes and 17 seconds, and it's a very toxic Holocaust-like song called Eyes of the Sacred Ram. And we're going to look at the transition that makes the song so great, to me at least, and that's the transition from the chorus to the breakdown. The chorus has two distinct parts. First, there's a thrashy power chord and chug section that comes to a dead stop, and then there's a moshy feel change that leads through a guitar chug break into the breakdown proper, and the breakdown itself is an absolute corker. And that's a great example of how to lead into a breakdown. Having a good breakdown is really important if you're going to have a breakdown because nothing sucks as bad as a shitty breakdown. But just as important is how you get to it because that determines the energy flow going into the breakdown. And a big pileup of potential energy when that breakpoint hits on the breakdown and it snaps, that's what makes the pit go crazy. And that's what you want. So that's a quick look at Wraith's Greatest, and if you like Midnight and Toxic Holocaust, you'll like Wraith because they land pretty much squarely in between the two. And I love Midnight and I love Toxic Holocaust, so this album is right in my wheelhouse, and it can't possibly not end up in my top ten this year. And that's it for this episode as well. I'll put links to all three of the albums in the show notes so you can check them out for free for yourself. And I hope you've enjoyed listening to me talk about them. If you did, please take a second and give this video a like. That's really important. And it's an easy way for you to say thank you for all the work that went into this podcast, which was a pretty good amount. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Just click the subscribe button and then click the notification bell. So in closing for this time, I'm Old Man Metal. Thanks again for joining me. If you enjoyed it, tell your friends. If your friends don't like it, get new friends. Till next time, keep those horns up high. Y'all take care. Listening to Old Man Metal's musings. All material depicted is the intellectual property of the copyright holders. Any resemblance to actual persons living or dead is a goddamn shame. Thank you for joining us.